Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork, alongside Dilu. As we bring you some good news this week, as K-State is, uh, we're in a good mood here, as K-State uh, beats TCU 24-17. Uh, K-State was able to score a late t- uh, Skylar Thompson touchdown with uh, 2.45 left and was able to hold uh, TCU on downs and, uh, and and pretty much run out the clock there. Uh, at the end, uh, TCU did get the ball back late, but uh, no no real issue there as K-State was able to win 24-17, getting the first conference win of the season and uh, the first conference win of the Chris Kleiman era. I want to welcome in uh, D-Lou here. Uh, D-Lou, you look like you have an extra bounce to your set today. How you doing, man? I'm better than I deserve. Uh, but, uh, I, I, that, I have no doubt about that. Yeah, uh, but a nice win. K-State gets back on the right side of things. Uh, big win over uh, TCU and uh, K-State sitting at four and two uh, after two rough performances against Oklahoma State and Baylor. K-State gets back on the right side of things and uh, gets back uh, looking like bowl eligibility is definitely in play. Yeah, no, this was a game uh, as we uh, said here and broke it down last week. We thought this was a game that K-State really had to win, uh, or at least I did. I think you were a little bit more. Uh, lukewarm. On I the didn't idea. think it was a do or die scenario because I think that there were win- enough winnable games left on the schedule. Yeah. But uh, it's definitely a game that goes a long way uh, either way. Yeah, I, I saw it as a do or die game for K State if we're going to make it to a bowl game this year. Uh, K State was able to make enough plays. Uh, let's go ahead and just hop right into it here, uh, Dilo. As K State got on the board first. Uh, set up by a, a block pump by Jonathan Alexander. Sets up uh, K-State with a with a short field, uh, 20-yard touchdown pass from Skylar Thompson and Nick Linders to get the score uh, get the scoring started. And uh, K-State in this game, uh, really, when you think about it, um, never really felt like they really extended too far away from TCU. But it was a, you know a tight game throughout. Of course, uh, the Skylar Thompson touchdown at the end. Uh, which you know, I want to get to that draw, that last drive, uh, you know, here later on. But you know, it was a, I wouldn't say necessarily a well played game, but a very tight competitive game throughout. Uh, I think two teams that, you know, look at themselves in the mirror here later, uh, you know, on, on Sunday morning, and say, you know what, that was a game we had our opportunities in. Uh, the loser definitely says that, and the winner says, man, glad we won that one because, uh, you know, it was it was a tight one. Yeah, it was two teams who have had their ups and downs before uh, Saturday's game, and two offenses that can't quite figure out exactly what they want to be. Uh, K State, obviously. Well, I uh, think K State knows what they want to be. I, uh, I, I think they're very good at it. Well, fair enough. It's two offenses trying to figure out if their identity is uh, really any good. Um, K-State obviously uh, struggled again on Saturday to run the football. Um, 33 carries for 94 yards, uh, and 68 of those coming from quarterback Skylar Thompson. James Gilbert, uh, kind of rough sledding for him on the ground on Saturday. 14 carries for 38 yards. Uh, But then on the other hand, you have uh, TCU, who is... You know, you have a guy like Jalen Rager, who's super talented, but then you have 
uh, Max Duggan, who struggles to get him the ball. Duggan, yeah. uh, and you see so and with with Duggan, you see some of the flashes of potential. I mean, yeah, and that's just a problem of a freshman quarterback, a, f- a freshman quarterback. And ideally, programs you don't have to play freshman quarterbacks, but uh, you know, guys like him and Spencer Sanders at Oklahoma State getting thrown into the fire here a little early, probably earlier than. Uh, then they would have probably they, yeah would have expected maybe earlier than what's fair uh, but regardless there uh, it's trial by fire here in the Big Twelve and it was on Saturday for Duggan uh, going sixteen of twenty nine for one hundred and thirty two yards and uh, eighty five of those uh, coming from Jalen Rager but then also pretty good day on the ground for Duggan uh, thirteen carries for one hundred and fifteen yards and one. Uh, Great play for TCU uh, and one horrible play for K-State on his long touchdown run. Yeah, no, it, it's a game that really when you look at um, when you look at the production for K-State, you bring up the Duggan run. When you look up at K-State's uh, rushing game, I'm kind of switching the subject here, but you mentioned Skylar Thompson leading the way with 68 yards on 10 carries. 61 of those came on, on, a, on that QB draw, which – was a great call. Have to give credit for. I was I was calling for that a little bit uh, during the game in my seat, saying, you know, if TCU is going to play this man coverage, and uh, they're not going to really worry about spying Thompson, or you know, if they, I think maybe on that play, I'd have to go back and and rewatch. But uh, perfect play call in terms of, you know, what the what the situation allowed for schematically t- with TCU defensively. Uh, the only person that was really around him for the longest time was his offensive lineman, and, and I was wanting to say, man, I wish uh, you know that offensive lineman could get out there and, and uh, be more of a lead blocker, but uh, you know Thompson was... Um, it's asking was, a lot for... Uh, he, who, he, who was it? Was it like Pearl or somebody? I, I can't remember, and I, I've seen the play enough times I should be able to remember who it is, but... Uh, you know, Thompson was able to show off uh, some wheels, but it was it was funny because uh, there were, I mean there was nobody around him uh, because the the routes were all outbreaking or deep, so the it, it was uh, you, I mean you could roll a caravan right through that uh, that hole, and uh, Thompson ran it for sixty one yards. What's crazy, and the reason why I bring that up is TCU did have some success on the ground, uh, forty carries uh, for two hundred twenty eight yards, five and a half average there for the frogs. K-State, on the other hand, a completely different story. Uh, 33 uh, attempts for 94 yards, a, a little under three yards a carry. 61 of those on the Skylar Thompson quarterback draw. You subtract that out. Um, yeah. Bad. Yeah. So that'd be, you subtract out his run. And I mean, granted, you can't, you know, you can't have it both ways here. But without that big play, K-State's running the ball for, under two yards of carry. Yeah. And, and that's just, I mean, that's almost, if you would have told me after the Mississippi State game or, you know, even, gosh, I mean, if you tell me any time that a K-State team is going to run the ball for, I mean, granted, they only ran the ball for three yards of carry, uh, you know, with that Thompson run included, but you tell me a K-State team, especially this K-State team, uh, is going to run the ball for under three yards of carry, and win a Big Twelve game, I'm looking at you a little funny. And uh, but that was that was what happened. And I think a lot of that has to do, excuse me, 
to one some explosive play like we saw with the, on the on the Thompson draw, but also the special teams get involved and uh, and set up K State with some with some uh, advantageous field position. That's right, and you mentioned the uh, the pump block. But a lot of hidden yards and uh, the leg of the punter as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, and we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, mention that. And so a good day for K-State on the special teams unit, um, which, you know, you look at the numbers here, K-State outgained in the game 366 yards to 266 yards. Uh, and you're wondering, you're kind of scratching your head how exactly that happened. Um, and especially if you think before that last drive, that last drive was 95 yards. Mm-hmm. So yeah, deep into was, the fourth quarter, K State's total offense was uh, hovering right around 170 yards or so, and uh, so K State's uh, special teams units uh, making a big difference, and the offense being opportunistic. And how about the defense again? I mean, we looked at those Oklahoma State and Baylor performances as. Uh, you know, not allowing a ton of points, especially uh, against Oklahoma State, but even Baylor, that game got a little out of hand uh, later on in the fourth quarter. But another good performance for the K-State defense, even if they uh, did allow quite a bit of yardage on the ground just to keep uh, TCU out of the end zone um, and really put their offense in a position where the offense just had to do a little bit to win the game. Yeah, and I'm looking through the drive chart here. K-State had 10 drives in the game, excluding um, end-of-half situations um, where uh, they, you know, just were needing it out or, you know, at the end of the game, obviously, going into the victory formation. But let's let's look here. I mean, gosh, when you look at this K-State drive chart here, first drive, I'm just going to run down the list of the – of the drives where we didn't score, which we only scored on three. Three plays, eight yards. Two plays touchdown on, on the on the one drive that we got set up there on the um, short field off the block punt. Six plays, 11 yards. Three plays, seven yards. Nine plays, 74 yards. Touchdown there. Um, then the end of the half, field goal, or out of, out of halftime, seven plays, 59 yards. A nice sustained drive as, as K-State uh, stretches their lead out to a touchdown. And then three plays, negative eight yards. Six plays, punt, 25 yards. Three plays, punt. Uh, and then rallying off a 95-yard touchdown drive, of course, on the buoyed by the uh, the long Skylar Thompson run. What I'm getting at here is there it was kind of feast or famine for the K-State Offense in terms of what they're what they were able to do drive wise, it was either you know we're going down and scoring or we're pretty much going three and out. Yeah, and that's just been kind of par for the course over these last few games. Although we saw more success on uh, Saturday than we had the previous two games, and so uh, well, I know in our in my in our group text that we have, uh, w- you know, with some other K State fanatics, um, I mentioned. The drive that we, you know, scored our first touchdown, uh, you know, not our first touchdown, but our second touchdown, I should say, our first, you know, long drive, the nine-play, 74-yard drive, uh, which uh, resulted with a uh, Viking Gill touchdown. That's the first legitimate, like, non-garbage time touchdown we've scored since Mississippi State. That's right. And that's that's kind of... 
Now, granted, there were two bye weeks mixed in there. Granted, Mississippi State seems yeah. like a lifetime ago. It really does, point. honestly. It, um, it really does. And it was, you know, nearly a month ago. Um, but, you know, over the last uh, two games, this K-State offense has been bottled up, and we've we've documented that. But you see, started seeing some things in some of those drives. I mean, the, the drive to close it out, I mean, that had to be, you know, one of the more impressive uh, – Drives case they've had this season in terms of just the explosiveness with the, the long play uh, on the Thompson run, which you can't see a whole lot of this year. I think that I think that has to be the longest play from scrimmage, uh, if memory serves me correctly, so far this year. And um, that hasn't been a real, I guess, an aspect of the of the K State offense with this more methodical, slow paced, uh, you know, grinded out kind of game plan that that uh, the mess. The mess is operating with, but you have to have some of that explosive ability when your offense isn't very good, and that explosive play really won K State the game. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to talk to you for a second. What did you think of the decision to uh, go for it on fourth down there on that last drive? You know, let's I, let's set the scenario. Okay? Yeah. So it's uh, K State is tied with TCU with what right around a little over three minutes left thereabouts. <clears throat> yeah, three, three and a half minutes, I believe. And it's a fourth right. down and... Fourth and one. Fourth and one. It's a long one. Three whole feet. Yeah. Uh, what would you have done in that scenario? Well, I'm looking here back at the drive chart, and I, I want to say... Oh, gosh. I had it, and I lost it. Um... I wanted to see the yard line. Okay, on the 20-yard line. So well within range. 37 uh, yards. I, I thought it was a little bit further out off. I thought it was. Uh, I thought we were about at the 30-yard line, when I. so I'm glad I looked. But the 20-yard line, I'll be honest with you, I would have kicked. I would have kicked as well. I would have kicked, and I wouldn't have felt bad about that. Now, I thought it was interesting because in Kleinman's um, postgame comments, I think he – Kind of look back, and I, I give him credit for this too. By the way, I'm not I'm not uh, I, I I want to preface this statement by saying that, but I give him credit for um, you know kind of I, mean, I thought some of the play calls, especially in terms of kicking and um, not going for it on fourth down against Baylor and TCU were a little questionable. I mean, I don't think they would have had any impact on the game, so it's not something I'm really gonna you know harangue on but I thought man that seems like an opportunity where we should be going for it here on fourth down to you know really you know put ourselves in the best chance of winning a game that's most likely pretty well lost this one was a little bit different because K-State's you know it's a tie ball game at this point and one first of all they do go for it on fourth and one and they call a pass play which initially they roll the pocket to Thompson's right which is the short side of the field here which we love. Which we love. I personally, I thought an option to the short side would have been my call, but that's why I don't, that's why I don't call the plays, I guess. But, oh, man, I, I kind of got a little worried going on. But I, I will tell you, I've been kind of hard on Skylar Thompson. I don't think he's, he's played really all that well here at, at, since the conference play uh, season has started. But I thought he showed something that I hadn't quite seen from him so far this year, and that's showing some guts to pick it up on the ground because he took a shot as as he uh, you know crossed over the the first down line, and I give him credit there I, because there was really no one open on the play, 
it wasn't a uncontested run. He had to make a he had to make a guy or two miss, and he put his shoulder down and picked it up. So I give him a lot of credit. I think you know I want to say too. I noticed a little bit more fire from him in this game. Uh, on, on the sideline, there's been some videos posted of him um, kind of firing up the defense and, and, and you know being a little bit more vocal than maybe I have seen you know on the sideline. And I wonder if there's a little bit to that with with uh, you know Alex Dalton being on the other side. I know I don't think that there's any animosity between the two. I'm not suggesting that, but to uh, I think he really had something to prove maybe a little bit internally in this game, and maybe maybe he felt like he had to prove it externally. But I thought he played with a little bit more of a chip on his shoulder uh, this week than I had seen in, in previous weeks. Yeah, I think uh, you know it was. I, I don't think Thompson had a great day. No, I don't on think anyone Saturday. I don't think anyone's putting that performance in the Hall of Fame by any stretch. But I think he did. He certainly played well enough to win and was definitely his best performance of the last three games. Sure. I think that's fair to say. Um, and, you know, everybody's happy when we win. And it's if K-State would have lost that game, then we're all looking back saying, man, Thompson, 11 of 23, That's uh, he had some misses. Um and so gosh, on and so yeah, forth. there was that one right down the seam he had that. Right, gosh, he could have underhanded, could have underhanded it to him almost. But uh, regardless, he put together a game-winning drive in the final uh, minutes of that game, and that that cures everything. And yep. So as long as K State wins in the end, nobody's going to be uh, too upset. But uh, I think that there's still room for him to grow, um, and I think that that's something that Colin Klein's going to. I uh, have to work on uh, with him in the future. But overall, I agree. I think it was a better performance over the last uh, two games. So let's more focus on some offensive individual aspects here. Uh, the run game, I just want to touch on that as a whole, I guess, first off. Um, we mentioned how really anemic it was really all day, barring the one run from Skyler. This is a good TCU defense uh, in terms of how they defend the run. We, we highlighted that uh, you know in the preview portion. So I don't think we were surprised that K-State had some tough sledding on the ground. I think we were probably surprised at how tough that sledding was. Yeah, I mean, for a team like K-State, whose identity is supposed to be supposed to start on the ground, uh, you'd expect it to be a little more successful than have your uh, than seeing your running backs combined for 45 yards. Uh, on 17 carries. And so I think that caught me by surprise, certainly. Well, and the offensive line has just not played well really the last three weeks. I just don't think the offensive line's very good. And, you know, that's that, – I, I agree with you. I completely agree with you. I, I don't think it is any more I don't complex it, than that. I, it's just a, not a very good unit. It's experience, but it's just not very good. And, you know, that's what I think maybe expectations maybe got a little bit out of whack about what this offense and this offensive line could possibly be due to that Mississippi State game, I think. Because you look well, at – go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say more so due to the uh, to the Ball State and uh, Bowling Green. Or not Ball State. Nichols. Nichols and Bowling Green. Well, sure. And I mean, granted, I think – I mean, Mississippi State, what were I, – I don't think that was a dominating performance. I think it was okay. but Well, I thought we ran the ball pretty well. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you, you're pulling up the numbers here. Ran the ball for five yards of carry or four and a half yards of carry, so I mean, or no, that's I'm looking at Mississippi State's. Well, about four yards of carry for K State, so not great, but you you felt that 
you know, against a, an SEC defense, I mean, I know that talking point kind of gets beat beat up a little bit and kind of maybe you, you shouldn't analyze a team by its conference necessarily, but, you know, it's still a physical team, a team that, you, you know, really hasn't done much since. Uh, I think they've recently, they've recently dropped one to Tennessee. I, has Mississippi State won a game yet in conference play? I think they did. Yeah, they beat Kentucky. Beat Kentucky. So the uh, the Bulldogs have fallen on a little bit of hard time. So I think when you look at this ground game, I think we've diagnosed it correctly now. I mean, this offensive line, which wasn't real good last year. No. And you lose uh, Dalton Risner, who's now in the NFL, second-round pick by the Broncos. You lose Alex Barnes, who's one of the better running backs to come through K-State in the last several years. Um it's hard to see the ground game getting a whole lot better, but those first couple games did give you hope. But, yeah, I, I think right now you look at this offensive line as, I mean, mediocre at best. I mean, I think we'd be putting it terribly. Yeah, and it's disappointing because that was going to be the unit that you probably had the most confidence in coming into the season for K-State. Just due to the experience. Either that or quarterback. But, yeah, uh, yeah that's – I think they've uh, – it's been mostly a dud in terms of uh, the running game this year, and hopefully they can uh, salvage something in the second half of the season. But I think watching this team through the first three games of conference play, it just looks like a unit that's just not very good. I think that's I think that covers it. Uh, let's move to the passing game. I was very happy with what I saw from some of the wide receivers that had stepped up. You know, Wyking Gill is a guy that uh, I thought had a nice game. Uh, Sebastian Taylor, uh, had, you know, receiving a uh, – or having a nice reception there, kind of tight coverage. That, that was, was a great catch. That was, it's a shame he didn't quite get to the sticks and yeah. kind of force that fourth down call, but it was a dynamite catch. And – you know, when K-State throws the ball 23 times a game, you're lucky if you complete two-thirds of those. Uh, Thompson was almost right at 50%. You're not going to have a whole lot of opportunity to really flash the passing game. But Schoen made a nice play. Uh, Malik Knowles, getting him back out there in the second half was huge uh, for what K-State was able to do offensively. I know that that situation is kind of still ongoing with his health and you know them being – uh, I believe I heard the term pitch count uh, from uh, Coach Kleiman as as to how they're going to be using him. So when you look at that, um, all things considered, I thought the wide receivers in, in limited opportunities, I thought they played really well. Yeah, no, I thought I think this is one of the better performances uh, out of K-State's passing game uh, recently. Uh, 11 completions for 172 yards. You're starting to look a little bit like uh, Jonathan Beasley's numbers there, and that's what. That's, oh, Jonathan that's, Beasley would have had at least another hundred yards on top of that, that if he yeah, had eleven completions. Eleven of twenty-three for one hundred and seventy-two yards. That's uh, you're starting to get into some Jonathan Beasley stat lines there, and so that's encouraging. But man, just what a difference Malik Knowles makes. Uh, K State's leading receiver does. on it the truly day. truly does. Three receptions for forty-eight yards, and that's only in about. Did he? Play the entire second half, or was it? I'd have to go look back at the snap counts yeah. and, and really chart that. But 
No, he was he was in and around the action. I don't think he played every snap of the second half by any stretch. Uh, but uh, he was he was active in the second half in case they needed it. Absolutely. And so uh, a uh, encouraging performance by uh, the wide receivers against TCU. Let's switch sides of the ball here now to uh, the K-State defense. Holding TCU to 17 points, you feel, you know, if I told you at the beginning of the game that K-State holds TCU to 17 points, that's like K-State chances to be right in this thing. Yeah, I think I predicted 24 to 16 TCU. So, uh, just flip-flopped. Yeah. So, there were still some plays, though, uh, where K-State... We, we talked about that uh, Max Duggan, um, 40, I think it was 45, 46-yard touchdown run, where he was just shrugging off guys, some bad angles being taken, poor tackling. Pretty embarrassing performance by four or five K-State defenders in you, that single play. You can you can take your pick on, on who to sh- you know, shout blame to. But, yeah, all things considered, though, not a bad performance by the defense. No, like I said, I mean it was. It's like it's been for the last three games, and I mean where it's you look at it and you th- during the game you're thinking, man, this could be better, but at the end of the day you ask yourself, did K State's defense play well enough to win? And again, uh, the answer is yes, and. Uh, so I think K State's defense in every game this season has played well enough to win. Yeah, I, um, I would agree with that. And it's they, just a matter of getting the offense in order to uh, put up enough points to complement that. Yeah, the only exception I might have with that is that I, I, the defense wasn't very good in the Baylor game. But so much of that is due to just how much they're put in difficult positions by the offense, and you know, vice versa. Uh, you know, with be, whether it be short field or just being out there all the time, um, so I have to, I have to, yeah, say, I have to say that overall, though, to to your point, I do think that defensively, um, another solid performance by Casey. There were some some things that uh, they needed to, sh- obviously, they need to shore up this throughout the rest of the season. But if they have any chance of keeping it close against Oklahoma, uh. I, I shudder to think what that what Jalen Hurts might do to us on the ground if if Max Duggan is able to go for forty six yards and ragdoll people as as he goes. Yeah, Max Duggan's not exactly the uh, second coming of David Ash out there. You yeah, know what I mean? I, I hear you. And so, uh, and lot, many people have been saying that, but I I don't I'm not I'm not there yet. Yeah, no. every a lot of people have, but. We're the only people in this town that have the guts to I have the gumption. Yeah, exactly. That's and right. So, um, yeah, Jalen Hurts is going to be a handful. Um, How about that CD Lamb fella? Is he going to be a handful too? Maybe. Yeah, probably. Probably yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the K State defense has done a great job so far this season, um, or at least a passable job in in the games they've played. Maybe but, that, maybe the preacher man, old Trey Sermon, he might. Uh, he might have he might have some issues. He might, might have, have a with, with he that. might have a good game too. Um, but regardless, this year, regardlessly, I don't think we should uh, our hopes should be too high against Oklahoma, just given the really phenomenal. I mean, just, team that they are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
<laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're really good. Yeah, they they they're pretty they're pretty salty. Uh, they got a guy at uh, the head coach that knows what he's doing uh, in terms of. It seems like you know I I was one of the guys last year that when you looked at Jalen Hurts or not Jalen Hurts excuse me um, Kyler Murray taking over for Baker Mayfield I had a little bit of question about Kyler Murray one my biggest thing was. He signed, he gets picked 10th overall or whatever it is by the Oakland A's in the Major League Baseball drafts. He gets, you know, $3.5 million signing bonus, blah, 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 blah. My whole think, line of thinking was, well, shoot, he sprains an ankle. He gets like a little, you know, MCL type sprain. You know, nothing serious that's going to keep him out for the whole year necessarily. But if he gets too many bangs and, uh, bangs and bruises, He's gonna say, you know what, boys? I, 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 you know, I wish you nothing but the best, but I've got baseball to play. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of abstain here. I'm stopping this nonsense and I'm focusing on my baseball career. That's right. And you know what? When you have the best offensive line in the country and you know how to slide, like he does, it goes a long way. You don't take as much damage. And also, the other thing too is I was wrong about him because. He said, to hell with baseball. I'm going to play football instead. And he got drafted number one. So I struck out. Get it? Yeah. Baseball thing? Yeah. I struck out on him all, all the time last year. So I thought OU was maybe destined for maybe a step back last year. Uh, that didn't seem to bother them going 11-1, going to college football playoff. Now this year, I picked him to go undefeated. That looks like a probably a pretty good prediction so far. Um, however, a lot of football left to be played. A lot of football to be played. That's right. I and think a uh, team down in Waco, Texas might have uh, something to say about I, You know, I, I pretty much accurately handicapped them, too, so far this season. Have well, I? you're just lucky that Alan Bowman got hurt because Tech would be undefeated right <laughs> now as well. My foot. Um, anyway, uh, we go on here as we look. Let's, let's kind of close the book here on TCU. Um, any final thoughts here that you'd like to include? I do want to circle around but I want to hear I want to hear if you have anything here no I, I don't have much to say about TCU other than uh, it looks like they're gonna man they still have to they still have a rough road ahead of them too they still got the big dogs too I coming. think TCU might miss a bowl game this year icon because they still they've only won three games and they still have to play uh, against Texas. That line was surprisingly low. At Oklahoma State, it is low. It's a pick 'em, last I saw. Thereabouts. I think it, some maybe money has shifted around to where it's like a two or three point favorite, but still, uh, for all intents and purposes, a toss up. They play pretty much. I mean, they're only. The only team they play in the bottom. Let me put it this way they've already played K State and KU, and they've only won three games. And so, at this point in the season, they're behind schedule. Well, that SMU loss, if KU or if uh, TCU ends up not making a bowl game, and now TCU's undefeated still too, mind you, and ranked in the top twenty. SMU or SMU, excuse me. I had my private institutions and in no, I think SMU's fine. Too. I don't think that that, that loss doesn't look but, that bad. But today. we, but when we were looking at this earlier, I mean, earlier this than the off season, you know, we had them penciled in for three and zero. I mean, yeah, so. When you look at things from the TCU perspective, definitely behind schedule, but continue. Sorry. That's it. I just think that they that there's a decent chance that they miss a bowl game this year, and that would be a disappointing uh, year for uh, Gary Patterson, who some people were picking them to be a dark horse contender in the Big 12. Absolutely. Well, I wanted to hit on the special teams. 
Uh, Devin Angtel, uh was voted Ray Guy Punter of the Week. Um, had a had a hell of a game uh, in a game where K-State... That's a very prestigious prize, by the way. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, you know, when you look at uh, what he was able to do, you know, field position-wise for K-State, um, very important. 49 yards a punt, had a long of 62. You know, when K-State is having to punt as often as they are, giving it... Having a guy like that can swing field position. Whether you know if you go out three and zero or three and out on your twenty five and you, you've got a punt, instead of ha- giving the ball over to the other team at the forty or midfield or possibly even on your side of the ball or on your side of the field after the after the punt, having a guy that can consistently you know hit 45, 50 yard punts gives your defense a chance, gives your team a chance. Yeah, and uh, his his contributions are not to be uh, not to go unnoticed. No, and that's what I was talking about earlier. If you if you get outgained uh, by a hundred yards, and you win the game, and it doesn't feel like a fluky win. I mean, no turnovers. Yeah, and that's field position, man. I mean, yeah. that's that's what it comes down to, and and so uh, definitely uh, a big difference maker in the game on Saturday, and. Uh, you know, it's, it's weird because you hate – it's almost like embarrassing bragging about how great your punter is, you know. It feels like kind of lame. Oh, like, I think it's cool. Oh, I think it, I think it feels very lame. Well, but, I remember when Texas had that punter, Michael Dixon, I think was his name. Not the former Missouri basketball player. That's who guy. I was thinking of. I think his name is Michael Dixon. Michael Dixon, the former Missouri basketball player. Now, that's a guy – did you ever call him? Some some K State fan posted his phone number on a message board. Oh, did he really? Yeah, and huh. uh, I forget how that whole story went down, but if I remember right, a bunch of people just flooded Michael Dixon's uh, cell phone, and then he posted the guy's number who uh, somehow. Anyway, it was a whole yeah. I, I wasn't involved in that at all. I wouldn't I wouldn't stoop to that level. However, but Texas and Michael Dixon they had a had a had a, he had a very good punter, and he. I think he was when they beat Missouri in that bowl game, that Texas Missouri uh, Texas Bowl. The one where Tom Herman did the, the uh, backpack, yeah. yeah, thing. Fact check me on this if if you do, folks that are listening. Michael Dixon was uh, the MVP of that game. I think you know what I think you're right. So it it, it is about. I mean, we, you can joke about it. Oh well, your best player is your punter, whatever. It's a weapon to have. And it's an important weapon when you're having to punt as often as we are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's all I wanted to say. Well, let's close the book here on TCU. Let's open the book on Oklahoma. Um, okay, so K-State opens up in this game as a 24, 23.5 point dog, depending on where you looked at. Originally opened at about 19.5. Be our, our friends at Circus Sports. Uh, but it is it has only gone up, and uh, for good reason. This Oklahoma team is running like a Ferrari. Uh, this this defense is also not the old Oklahoma defense that you may uh, say, yeah, they can score them, but that defense will give them up just as quick. This defense has shown some gumption, uh, has shown some uh, some tenacity, has shown some uh, harumph to it, so to speak, and uh, this Oklahoma team. Not as explosive, possibly on offense. Still extremely efficient uh, with uh, Jalen Hurts at quarterback. But in terms of is this team really capable 
of winning the national title this year. I think that this is their most uh, capable team in terms of a total package uh, that uh, Lincoln Riley has had at Oklahoma. Yeah, this is the Lex Luger of Oklahoma teams. Total package. And so, uh, no, I, I think I agree with you, and that's an interesting point because you look at this uh, Oklahoma offense, and statistically speaking, it's one of their worst offenses in the last few years, and it's still the best offense in the country by a fairly wide margin. Yep. Um, and I'll tell you what, Lincoln Riley, I, I'm of the belief now that his time in the Big 12 is, is numbered. I, he, he'll be going to the NFL here shortly. Maybe. Um, and I, if I hate to, if that's where his aspiration is. Yeah, right? and that's true. And he's going to have plenty of overtures from a number of NFL teams. And you know, selfishly, I'm kind of glad that that might occur. But in terms of what it means for the Big Twelve and, and college football as a whole, um, I'd hate to lose him. But continue. Well, I, I just I agree with you. I think that you know. The last few years, Oklahoma's offense has been able to just run roughshod over the Big 12 uh, and do really whatever they want to whoever they want until they get to face a premier defense, and then they struggle a little bit to yeah. score, and they, their defense doesn't can't stop a nosebleed, a, a wet paper bag, and uh, so that's when they run into trouble, but... If their offense is still the best offense in the country, albeit not is not quite the level they've been over the last few years, and their defense is just just good, and not, not necessarily elite or you know the Big 12's best defense, although I think they might be. Might be, yeah. Um, you start looking at it, and you think, oh man, this Lincoln Riley found a defense. That's a problem. Yeah, and Alex Grinch, the uh, former defensive coordinator at uh, with Mike Leach at Washington State, then went to Ohio State where uh, he joined the staff now at Oklahoma. They, uh, OU always has some talent on defense. I mean, in terms of what they're able to, to recruit, they're not devoid of talent by any stretch. But... Under the Mike Stoops, and then you know after Mike Stoops gets replaced midseason by Ruffin McNeil last year, I believe after the Texas game, if I remember correct, um, you look at what Alex Wrench has done. That game against OU against Texas, the defense really was, I mean, impressive. And it doesn't take too many stops. I no. Mean, it really doesn't take much. Because this offense is still going to yeah. score touchdowns on almost every drive. Yeah. And so now that OU's got the Grinch mob going, mm, that's I see what you did there. I like that. Hey, do you think he's related to like the Grinch? No, like the one that stole Christmas. No, you don't think? I, no, I don't think so. No. Well, disregardlessly, I uh, you, I, I mean, do you? I mean, I guess I shouldn't rule it out. I can't say for sure. Okay, but I think it's worth looking into. Something to monitor. Yeah. Yeah, um, but no, I I agree. I think this Oklahoma team is the best Lincoln Riley team, uh, and I think it's the team most suited to uh, win a national title. Yeah, I think that's I think that's well put. So let's. I'm just going to go through some of the the guys to watch uh, in this game for Oklahoma. 
Jalen Hurts, of course, the Heisman front runner, along with Joe Burrow right now, the quarterback at LSU. Uh, geez, when you look at these numbers, they're they're staggering. Uh, 74% completion, uh, over 2,000 yards, 20 touchdowns. They've played what? Seven, they've played seven games. Um, Jalen Hurts also leads the team in rushing, 700 yards. Uh, add another uh, 10 touchdowns uh, for him on the season. There, CeeDee Lamb, um, probably the number one receiver uh, in next year or in uh, in next year's NFL draft. Guys, uh, he, he's a stud. I mean, there's no, there's no, uh, there's not much else that needs to be said there. And then they also have a gentleman, uh, Charleston Rambo, an all namer uh, for uh, the Sooners. Hey, do you think he's related to the Rambo? Oh yeah, for sure. No question <laughs> about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. And he uh, he leaves a wake uh, of destruction wherever he goes. As uh, as does uh, I believe John Rambo is uh, maybe a cousin, um, uncle maybe potentially. Uh, but I mean, this Oklahoma team is just loaded with offensive talent up and down the up and down the roster. We could go on and on about it. Uh, we, we won't do that in the interest of time. But uh, also defensively, they've got one of the best linebackers in the country with Kenneth Murray. This guy is sideline to sideline. He is as as good as it gets at the linebacker position, not only in the Big 12, but really in college football. Uh, from what I've seen so far this year, uh, he, he will also probably be a first-round pick. So what you're saying is Oklahoma's a pretty good team. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um. Yeah, I think that they're the premier team in the Big 12. Uh, I think uh, that it's probably not close, although we'll see against uh, Baylor I because that'll think, be an interesting game. I think they'll get tested. Uh, I think Iowa State can test them. I think Baylor can test them. You know, right now with the way Texas looks, it's uh, it, it kind of makes me squint to see a rematch even uh, in the Big 12 title game. But, you know, certainly things can happen. There's still plenty of football to be played. It was a tight game down in Austin last weekend. It was. Real tight. Were the Jayhawks. They almost pulled off the upset there. Yeah. They? It was pretty close. And uh, I'll tell you what. They could almost rock chalk that one up as a, uh, as a big upset. Uh, and that would have – I saw some interesting notes from Tom Herman, too, by the way. What, what's that? Uh, in his press conference, was asked by a reporter, you know, what what would you what would you say to the fans that uh, you know are concerned or unhappy about, uh, you know, you you squeaking out uh, the game against KU on a last second field goal? And he's like, well, they should be <laughs> concerned. They should be upset. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I don't know what that really says. I don't think it says anything good. But uh, no, definitely interesting there, and that's a <laughs> they good... should be panicking. I'm panicking. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else is. Why? Sh- why? I'm scared. <laughs> why? Why shouldn't they be? So you know, this OU defense too. They've got Kenneth Murray, but also another all all, all name team. Uh, Neville Gallimore uh, is a destructive uh, defensive lineman uh, for the Sooners. He he's uh, oftentimes busting up plays in the backfield. This OU team is really the total package. Yeah. That's right. I mean, they're uh, they're a good team. I think that they're far better than Kansas State is. Um, but stranger things have happened. Well, sure. And uh, let's go ahead and I'm not going to ask you for prediction yet. I'm going to ask you to say, give me a scenario 
where this game, if K-State has a chance to keep it close and keep it interesting going in the fourth quarter, what is it? It's fluke plays. So we're dialing. <laughs> so we're dialing up. No, I mean it's. it's I think it's back to back running halfback passes, uh, a la 2006 Texas. Maybe, but I think if K State's going to have a chance in this game, it's going to be. I don't think that they're going to be able to go toe to toe, drive for drive, against Oklahoma without getting something like uh, a defensive score. Which, yeah. if you remember, the last two times K State's beat Oklahoma, two defensive scores in that game in those games. Last two times. So, I'm, I remember the 2014. Oh, yeah, then, yeah. That's uh, right. Justin Tuggle. That's right. And so, uh, I think... Or actually, Jarrell T- Childs with the score. But, you're right. Yeah. But this this scooping score on the unconfident loser, uh, Landry Jones. Yeah. Um, but something like that, special teams. Um, and I think K-State's defense is going to have to just step up to the plate and try to keep the game... Under try to keep OU under thirty five points by some uh, uh, by some ungodly effort on the part of the defense. And if, if stuff like that happens, and I think K State has a chance to be right in the mix, but I think it'll take all of those things for K State to to make this competitive. I've seen a stat, and I can't remember the number, but I know OU leads it uh, most consecutive games scoring thirty or more points. In the 20s. They've scored 30 points or more in over 20 consecutive games. I think it's nearing 30. Um, and, yeah, I mean, this offense is humming. I, I I agree with you. I think it's going to have to be non-offensive touchdowns that Casey probably needs to score at least two of them. And probably also needs to be at least plus two in the turnover margin to have a chance. Um, One thing I think they could do to help them out is – Try to shorten the game. Yeah, yeah. There's try to a... sh- try to short OU three, four possessions. So it's you know teams are each team's getting ten possessions instead of thirteen or fourteen. I yeah. think that allows for for more weird things to have a bigger impact. But uh, but I think I'm with you that it's gonna have to be some kind of non-offensive production because I don't see this K-State offense putting up. 35 points against o- OU's defense straight up. No. And I think it's going to take at least 35 to win the game. So, uh, no, we agree there. Um, the one thing I, do, I will, will point out is Oklahoma is one of the more penalized teams in the conference and the nation. So, I mean, you know, whether if it's, if it's a drive getting helped out by some penalties, that's something to watch for. Uh, just as you're, as you're tuning into this game at 11 o'clock broadcast on it, uh, ABC here for K-State Oklahoma uh, on Saturday, homecoming in the Little Apple. So, uh, D'Lu, let's get a prediction here uh, for K-State OU on Saturday. Uh, I think it's not going to be very close, um, which is a shame because we won last week, and I'd like to see us get a little bit of momentum. But as we've made clear, that this is just a very, very good Oklahoma team. I think uh, Oklahoma gets a victory. Um and gets the victory by fairly wide margin. I'll say something in the neighborhood of 45-24, to 24, Oklahoma. Okay. Um, so I will ask you this now as a follow-up. What are the chances this is a game in the fourth quarter to where Jalen Hurts is still in the ballgame? That, that's, that's how I'm defining that. 
where Jalen Hurts is still in the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I mean, I it wouldn't blow me away if it was within 14 points at some point in the fourth quarter. But I think it's, in terms of a percentage, if K-State's within a score in the fourth quarter, three out of ten. Okay. Okay. So your final score was what forty five twenty four? Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna go K or I'm gonna go Oklahoma, uh, fifty five, uh, K State uh, seventeen in this one. Uh, I just don't like. I don't want to beat a dead horse here. Uh, I think K K State just doesn't quite have the the horses to run with OU. I Speaking think of horses running with OU, I, I I was hoping you'd pick up on the segue. Go ahead. <laughs> you see that schooner fall over last week. I sure did, and there's been some uh, been, been some uh, tweets that have made their way around uh, this thing called Twitter.com, where th- this isn't necessarily uncharted territory uh, for the Sooner Schooner uh, having a having a breakdown. Uh, folks, as you may or may not be aware, last year during or last week during the, their game against West Virginia, the Schooner topples over, and, uh, the wagon is broke. Thankfully, no one was seriously injured. No horses were injured. Uh, however, the schooner is, um, they're not going to run in the rest of the season. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. And, uh, but the reason why I say this is, is the, the thing that I had seen rolling around is that in 1993, something very similar had, had occurred where the schooner broke. The next week they faced Kansas State. They lost that game. That was the... Were the Sooner Chariots? Uh, that was that famous Mitch Holtz call. Yeah, the, 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 the Bill Moses Snyder. Yeah, Bill Moses says, Snyder. "Let my people go." From twenty five years of Sooner bondage. bondage. Uh, by the way, that game. Do you recall what Snyder was wearing that game? Yeah, he looked very nice. <laughs> he was wearing a. He was like he was wearing a grout fit. Okay. Gray sweatpants, gray jacket, <laughs> the monochrome look for uh, the legend. For, for the legend. So yeah, we're we're seeing this game the same way. I would be shocked if this game is competitive uh, in the fourth. I can see K State keeping it close for a half, uh, but I think uh, with Lincoln Riley and, and the uh, offense that OU has, I think there's just too much firepower. But don't forget, two years ago, that was another game where where OU heavy favorite and K State pretty much went punch for punch with them uh, well into the fourth quarter. Yep. They did, and that's, you know, stranger things have happened in college football. As, as we saw last week, uh, Illinois pulling off uh, an outright upset over uh, Wisconsin, who had looked as good as anybody this season as a 30-point home dog. And, uh, that I mean, that's why you play the games. That's right. Right there. So uh, I think that'll do it here for the, uh, the OU uh, preview. Uh, we'll be back after a short break. Where where Dilu here will highlight another in the long line of Wildcat legends. And we'll answer your questions and ask the icon. Join us after the break. All right, we are back here on the Short Side Option podcast. And uh, the Wildcat legend and Ask the Icon uh, segment of this, uh, of this podcast is brought to you by our dear friends at Assurance Exteriors. Uh, Assurance Exteriors is a reliable, locally operated company that is here to bring out the best look, feel, and function of your property. 
Make us your home exterior and roofing contractor and let us provide you with the services you need to make your home look its best and operate the way you want it to operate against the elements. We have the competence, skill, tools, and expertise to provide repairs, remodels, and replacements that can improve the look and value of your home. You can reach them at uh, their Topeka number, 785-231-8838, or their Garden State location, which is 620-287-9081. You can get on the web and uh, find them at assuranceexteriors.net. Mention the the short side option. Tell them we sent you. Get a free estimate and consultation uh, for your abode. And uh, the the fine folks, uh, Marshall Ann Liker and Don Scott, uh, with Assurance and Exteriors, we'll get you squared away. Uh, that's Assurance Exteriors, uh, 785-231-8838 in Topeka and in Garden City, 620-287-9081. That's Assurance Exteriors, total outward care, total inward assurance. Well, thank you for that icon. Uh, we're going to get into our segment now, a segment we hear on the short side option called this week's Wildcat Legend. <clears throat> An icon, this week's Wildcat Legend. He's a wide receiver. He's from Schlegel High School. He's number 89. He played with Wildcat greats. Not Wildcat uh, Legends. Wildcat greats. Uh, Michael Bishop and Jonathan Beasley. Icon, of course, the only person I could be talking about is Martez Wesley. All right. Martez Wesley had a wonderful career at Kansas State. Uh, reeled in uh, 28 receptions over his career for 461 yards and a score. Uh, really, I mean, it was his senior year that was his real breakout performance uh, where he had 20 receptions for 365 yards, including that aforementioned touchdown. Uh and, but it was in 1999, okay? It was 1999 that where he had a breakout game in one reception in particular. And that reception came in the Holiday Bowl. Against, against Washington. Against War, the Washington Huskies. And uh, it was a pass on the near sideline uh, from the uh, camera angle uh, just before halftime. And... He caught a pass from Jonathan Beasley and just jukes the Washington defender out of his shorts, scurries about 25 yards upfield afterwards, and uh, really brings the house down. Uh, in Big the, play that holiday bowl. Yeah, was, and yeah, that's exactly right. And that catapulted him into his senior year where he just put up uh, just insane numbers. And uh, was really a buoy on that uh, 2000 team that had a... That dominated the Big 12 North. That's right. They won the North. That's right. And so, uh, any anything stick, stand out for you when you think of Martez Wesley? Yeah. I mean, that play that you highlighted was is, um, is one of the... Uh, one of the more memorable... Or I, I wouldn't say the more memorable, but one of the more uh, underappreciated, maybe overlooked... Um, plays uh, kind of of that era and of that season in 1999, which had you know plenty of highlights, of course, with the David Allen 
punt return against Texas, which you know sticks in a lot of Wildcat uh, fans' mind. But I do remember in one of uh, Fatty's videos, I believe it's I believe it's the birth where he has that clip, and in the uh, in the uh, in the video he slows it down as as Wesley goes to make uh, his his juke, and he, uh, none other than Mike Tarico on the call there uh, with. Uh, the sun's uh, the the scooter uh, the sunshine scooter old Lee Corso and Kirk Herbstreit also on the call. Uh, what where, a lineup there, by the way. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, in they uh, they call that game one of the one of a one of the better games to really watch. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, a competitive game. Uh, of course, uh, we get one against New Weasel there, and uh, K State is Holiday Bowl champions. That's right. Um, and you know what? After. He left the, the gridiron. Yeah, I was going to ask, what's he up to these days? He, uh, well, I'll tell you. He, uh, he's back coaching. He's coaching uh, football. High school football here in the Kansas City area, actually. He started, uh, he coached for Schlegel High School for a number of years, his alma mater. And then he went to, uh, got his master's degree uh, for special education. And now he's a special ed teacher uh, at, uh, and the head basketball coach. At Wyandotte County High School. How about that? How do you like that? I love it. I love so, to hear that. Uh, a legend, uh, both on the gridiron and off the gridiron, which As, so many of, of our Wildcat legends are. And you know, it's I think it's particularly legendary that he is uh, using his legendary status to positively affect the minds of tomorrow. That's right. And I think that might be the most legendary thing that he's he's. He's known for it. yeah. So that's a really good point. You know, I, I always like to take it a step deeper here. Yeah. So, well, icon, it's for his performance on the gridiron and off the gridiron that makes Martez Wesley this week's Wildcat legend. And icon, we're going to get into our final segment on the show uh, this week, a segment we call "Ask the Icon," where listeners can submit their questions to Chris the Icon Sork, and you know what? He'll answer them for you. He'll answer them right here on the show, and uh, we'll all be uh, better off for it. And uh, firstly, this week, we have a... Uh, oh, and by the way, listeners can submit their questions uh, to us via Twitter uh, by tweeting them at TSSO underscore podcast or using the pod, or using the hashtag AskTheIcon. Or, as some people do, you can just text us if you happen to have our phone numbers or hire a Skywriter. Uh that my skywriters are always nice. It's all, it's always a nice touch when yeah. when folks go about a, using that avenue. I always think anyway. I mean that's just one man's opinion, but yeah, and we might we might be able to see those. Um, however you want to do it, disregardlessly, uh, we'll get into it right now. And our first question this week comes from listener Steve Z, uh, and he he's one of those people that sent to be in text. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, and his question is, all right, what would the band name be for these groups of folks? All right? He's always very musically inclined. He, he is. He, yeah. he, he, and he's very interested in the Icons musical uh, acumen. Well, so, okay, it. I'm going to give you names of people, and I just want you to give me a band name for him. Okay. All right? Jordy Bishop and Sproles. So are there multiple here? Yeah, there's there's four groups total that you're gonna have to name name their band. So, 
it was Jordy, Bishop, and Darren Sproles. Yeah, Jordy Nelson, Michael Bishop, and Darren Sproles. Uh, I'm going to say I think they would have a nice men's trio uh, act. I think they'd sing maybe a little bit of uh, kind of that doo-wop music a little bit. Yeah, I can And see that. Uh, I'm just going to call them the terrific trio. <laughs> I like <laughs> that, huh? <laughs> I, really nice. I, I like that. All right. Uh, group two. So you have the okay. terrific trio. Okay. Then we have Bill Snyder, John Weefald, and Mike Stoops and Bob Stoops. So are that they're all all together. They're all, all they're all all four of them. A quartet. Uh, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna I'm gonna implement here something here. Stoops and the geezers. Stoops and the geezers. How do you like that? <laughs> I like it. How do you like that? Uh, the basketball coaching staff. This one I have. This one I've got right off the bat, man. Because the head man, none other than Brad Corn. <laughs> you think Brad Corn would be the lead? The the lead. Uh, the lead. Yeah, yeah. He's playing. He's the front the, man. He's the front man of this, and it just has to be called Corn. Uh, that's it. Corner the K. Yeah, corner the K. Just like the the <laughs> no no. Just like nobody. Just that's, like nobody. Yeah, that's right. With a K O frontward R N. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> and then finally, Simino Oaks and Kelly. Well, with uh, with Simino Oaks and Kelly, I'm gonna go with also the terrific trio. Oh, that's, that's very good. Because I mean, what else can really be said about a, a group like that? You know? That's right. So to recap, uh, Jordy Bishop and Sproles, they're in the band The Terrific Trio. Uh, Bill Snyder, John Weefold, and the Stoops brothers are Stoops and the Geezers. That's right. Uh, the basketball coaching staff is Corn, And uh, Simino, Oaks, and Kelly, uh, they are also The Terrific Trio. So great question, great answers, and we will uh, move on. Is this Big Dog and Madison? Yeah, that is. Yeah. Okay. I'm uh, I'm looking at a question now. Uh, this question... Th- this I'm, one came in via Carrier Pigeon. This one yes. came in via Carrier Pigeon. I, I was trying to dust off some of the, the bird feed, and it's quite crumpled up. But uh, this question, I'm told, comes from listener Big Dog. And uh, Big Dog says, <clears throat> What does the icon think about KU and MU revitalizing their basketball rivalry? Well, you know, I, I'm i a little disappointed that KU kind of gave in. But I think KU realizes they're in a bit of a tough spot with upcoming uh, NCAA sanctions. And they have to do what they, they can to keep, um, to keep the interest, keep the, um, the engagement in the program. So I think it's Jeff Long and the the athletic department throwing KU fans a bone here and saying, you know, we know we're going to be probably postseason banned for a couple years, maybe forever, maybe we'll never play another NCAA tournament again. But we at least get to play Missouri. Yeah, that's that's great, right? Yeah, I mean it's something. So I think that's kind of where it's at right now for KU. Um, what do you, I mean? What do you think? I know you. I don't know. I, it's hard to even criticize. It's because K State's. Playing Missouri. Yeah. 
it's. I well, think. I, 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 I just think it. I think it's so. I think it's so funny that you know this whole thing came from the point of where Bill Self was like, "Oh no, we're never playing him. Not as long as I'm here." And well, maybe he won't be there. And I. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. So, I think. Uh, I think you don't have to read too far into uh, into into that and into you know where they're at now. Uh, to kind of get the picture of what's what's taking place. Uh, next question comes from listener Trim at TrimGoEma. Trim asks, by the end of this week, who will have done more damage? Oklahoma on our cats? Or KB on Ashley and Rick? Well, this is a Temptation Island question, folks. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I sure hope it's not anything worse than KB's been doing. Good, good night. Yeah. I mean, that guy is a home-wrecking fool. And, uh, folks, if hey, you Hey, takes two to tango, man. That's, hey, you think Ashley G's getting a free pass here? No, sir. No, Although sorry. the cuffs were off. Yeah, I, I think that's Hogwash. abhorrent behavior on her part. Yeah. So, I We like Rick. Big fans of Rick. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if I was to guess, I don't think Rick's going to, uh, let his mood get too down. But I, I hope for his sake. In our sake, because it's good TV. Absolutely. Next question comes from listener Tony at Lucas Nove. Uh, Tony asks, Icon, if you could have a past Wildcat legend on the roster for the remainder of the season, who would it be and why? Okay, so that's a great question. I don't think I'm. I think I'm looking at the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and I think I'm looking at one of two positions. I want a three positions. I think you look at quarterback, offensive line, and uh, wide receiver. So then you have to look at the Wildcat legends. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I received a follow-up from Tony uh, regarding that. It doesn't have to be one of your Wildcat legends, by the way. That what he, other... Are there others? That's what he... he just any former K-State player. Oh, Okay. Is what is is how he 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 clarified that to me via uh, Skype. He skyped me that. I don't know. I think a guy like Val Taylor could do a lot of work. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I leaned towards uh, a wide receiver, Quincy Morgan. And now you think, man, that's kind of an odd. Why? Well, I mean, he's maybe not the best receiver. He's not the best receiver that's ever played here. But I think that him and that play action... But right up there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that his style of being kind of a big, long, big-hitting wide receiver with some maybe some more top-end speed would would really fit in here in a, an offense that relies more on play action passing to, to really stretch the defense. So I kind of went off the board there maybe a bit with Quincy Morgan. I don't think that's off the... I think he'd be hard-pressed to find... I think he's underrated by a lot of K-State fans. I, yeah, he shouldn't be. I mean, I think that he's absolutely in the top tier of wide receivers for K-State. Um, quarterback Michael Bishop. Yeah. And then uh, offensive line, I had a little bit tougher time going with this. But I went with B.J. Finney off the bat because of his versatility, not only to play center, but shoot, I remember they swung him out at a tackle against West Virginia back in 2014 because we were so beat up there and uh, due to injuries. But I have to pick one. I'm taking Michael Bishop. Yeah, it's the best player K-State's 
ever had probably. So, but those are those are the kind of three guys that I kind of had pegged. But at the end of the day, I'm going Michael Bishop. All right, next question comes from the center, Tyler H at TH8 underscore. Tyler asks, Icon, how would you react to a 28-28 first half score this week? Be shocked. The bright point of our season. Be shocked. Be shocked, but um, you never know. I mean, things happen in college football uh, all the time that don't make much sense, and uh, that would be one of them. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, I, I think, hell, if K-State's able to score 28 points in the first half, I'd be stunned. If K-State's able to score 28 points in the game, I'd be stunned. But uh, 28-28 would certainly catch my eye, and I think it would catch a lot of people's eye around the country. So uh, definitely uh, definitely would be a, a feeling of surprise for me. All right, listener Tyler HS, a uh, second question. He says, Icon, would you please read aloud your favorite OU hate haiku? Well, d it's one from you. No. Allow me to read. By all means. The cat and Sooner, Manhattan's prodigal son, wherefore art thou Brent? Wow. That's very nice. Hey, don't, don't, uh, don't snap from me. Back in October of uh, 2016. We, we go into the archives there. That's right. Here on the short side option. A little uh, Poets Corner. Very nice. Very, very, very nice. All right, next question comes from listener Doug Egbert at Pride one Doug asks, who cuts your hair? It, what's his name? Uh, Doug Egbert you at know, it's, Pride one it, It's funny because the guy that cuts my hair, his name is Doug. Really? Yeah. What if they know each other? Maybe it's maybe it's that guy. I don't know if he's a barber or, or what, but yeah, Doug and me have been... Uh, He's been giving me haircuts for for years and years, and and Doug does a does a hell of a job. So, uh, Doug, if you're listening, great work as always. Just went and saw him on Monday, so hook hook me up real well. Yeah, I have to say, it's a good haircut. Thank you. Uh, final question this week comes from listener Mahomes Season at KSU underscore Funny Thirty Three. Mahomes Season asks, "What's your favorite tailgate slash yard game?" Ooh, that's a great question. Uh, mine is uh, bags, bags, cornhole, whatever, you, whatever you uh, decide to call it. I I prefer that. That's that's my favorite game. You know, what my favorite game is yeah. What's that? Just chugging beer. Chugging beer. Shotgunning. Yeah, that's a fun <laughs> one too, man. That is a great one. That actually might be mine. Actually, you know, never can tell. Well, what other tailgate games are there besides well, like there's bags. There's like a Polish frisbee where you have the beer bottle on top yeah, of that's the true. poles and you you hit it with a frisbee or, or whatever. Uh, stump could be, you know. Yeah, fair enough. Make that out to a. But bags is by far the the most. There's like the one you see. There's one. It's like called, they're washers too, but that's well, the same. I I I don't like throwing the washers. They're too flimsy. Yeah. And you have to throw them. Yeah, I don't, I don't like. Well, those. you have kind of a you have kind of a girl arm. No. Okay. I don't. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. You are. I don't have a girl arm. Okay? All right. Um, but I also like that. I think it's called like, 
Oh, I don't even know what you... There's a couple different names of it. It's like Hillbilly Golf or whatever like that, or Hillbilly... Oh, you're right. Where you, you know, throw the, the, the golf balls attached to strings. Yeah, and, and you throw them on different rings, or different rungs. You're right. There are games besides But bags. bags is probably the most pre- predominant. Now, do you call that game bags, or do you call it cornhole? I call it bags. I always call it bags, too, but either. Cornhole I, sounds kind of like... Kind of weird. Yeah, well... It reminds I, I, me of the bug eaters. Yeah, well... Rough season Things up in Lincoln. Not not going well up there in uh, in big red country. Well, folks, that'll do it here for this edition of the Short Side Option. d is there anything you'd like to add here as we, we put a bow on this one? Uh, I don't think I have anything to add this week. Okay. Well, what about you? Do you have any final words? Yeah, I do. Um, and I wanted to kind of close here on this. There's been an article that's been floating around about uh, – I think it was on Bring on the Cats that... Uh, oh, the one trashing K-State fans yeah. not being like Clemson. Yeah, not being like Clemson, Texas A&M. And, you know, I do think that there's... And this is kind of... I don't want to get this into like a diatribe here necessarily. No, but please do. But, okay, so here's my thought. And, folks, this is where I go on somewhat of a rant here. That there is some truth to that. I don't think the fan support and the passion has been as good as it was, you know, in the last... Seven, eight years. Well, you know what? There's a reason why. K-State football hasn't been exactly great. No. Fair to say? It's been middling at best. And here's the other thing that kind of gets me about this. And I, I was talking with somebody about this over the weekend. Is that there is such a level. Like, so, I mean, I watch college football. all, all Lots of teams. The whole, the whole gamut here. I watch every K-State game. That I, hell, hell, I'm there for most of the most every game, whether uh, home or even away. And I, I've seen plenty of K-State. I watch plenty of Alabama, LSU, Clemson, all that stuff too. And I don't want to be, come across as overly cynical here, but when I watch K-State play football and then I watch OU, Alabama, LSU, I feel like I'm watching – Eighth grade football compared to, you know, uh, college football. And I know it's not that big of a disparity, but I think some folks are easy. It's easy to, you know, not give a, not give a rip as much when you think like, well, you know what? Our team, our program is not really on the same footing as these other ones. Like, what are we even here for? You know? And I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I think a lot of people feel that way. And I, I've heard this like you know what, we couldn't even compete for a Big Twelve title, and I think and that's why this game against OU it's kind of fitting that, that it falls here, is because it is homecoming. It's going to be a sold out crowd. I hope that it is competitive throughout. I really would like to see that, but I'd also hate to see a, an eleven o'clock national broadcast where because it got ugly in a hurry back in twenty fifteen. 55 nothing game against uh, OU. Yeah. And, was... and, they're, and the Royals were in the ALCS at the same time. That place was empty after halftime. Complete, like, I mean, it wasn't obviously completely empty, but there might have been 20,000 people there. Yeah. And I'd hate to see that happen again. So even if K-State might not be at the level of – whether if it's the games aren't exciting to you as much anymore, it's more of a social uh, social aspect. I understand all that, okay? 
But I really hope that folks make their way back in for the second half, and hopefully they have something to cheer for in the second half. But I kind of get it to, to an extent for why folks maybe leave at halftime and they don't come back. Yeah. I mean, because I'm not going to tell one how to spend their time. Yeah, it's a big investment to go to a game. And the other thing, too, I want to say, too, there was an, uh, an article that I had read about SMU. And you're thinking, well, why the hell are you talking about SMU? So SMU is, as you know, they maybe went on a death penalty a number of years ago where they really fell off the college football map after being one of the, the better teams in college football. And uh, they've had a year of resurgence. They're back in the top 25. They're undefeated. And they had a good crowd the week before against Tulsa, and then they had a, a little bit lesser of a crowd last week, I believe, against Temple. And their athletic director was asked about this. And they say, well, you know, there was some things. It was family weekend at SMU. There was, um, you know, they were playing Tulsa, which is not that far away from Dallas, so they were able to get some fans uh, of theirs, and they had a, had a good, good crowd there. The, the following week after a win, they didn't have that same level of crowd due to a couple of extenuating circumstances. But here's one thing that he mentioned that I think is often overlooked in terms of college football's attendance problems. Oftentimes, games, the game time is not established more than 10 days ahead of the game. And for some folks, that's a lot of shuffling that they have to get. Like if you have you know, a couple kids or whatever, they have activities on the weekend or whether if they're busy with school activities, whatever the case is, it's a little bit tough to shuffle your schedule on 10 days' notice to be able to make it, you know, two hours, four hours, or even if you're in the, you know, a 30-minute drive of the stadium, to be able to, to get that and get that taken care of. Because, you know, when you have these games more, you know, pit, or, you know etched in stone about when the game time is going to be, you can plan on that. But oftentimes it's either 10 or maybe even six days' notice where – Oh, yeah, we're going to play at 6 o'clock. Uh, if you're going to make the four-hour trip uh, from either, uh, you know, wherever you're at, Omaha or western Kansas, you know, wherever you're at, you're going to have to get a hotel now. And we sorry we didn't give you any more in six days' notice, but that's all, that's all we can do for you. So I think that there are those factors that go into uh, attendance issues, uh, not only at K-State or SMU, but really throughout the country. So... That's my little rant on that, I guess. Yeah, I think it's a simple... Well, first of all, comparing K-State to Clemson and A&M is absurd on its face. I think even Tennessee was in there, too. It's just stupid. Those are far bigger fan bases. That have an 80 to 100,000 seat stadium. With far deeper histories, generational histories. With, like, yeah, the fan bases are huge. You, You cannot compare them because they're just in two different stratospheres in terms of sheer numbers of fan support. Um, yeah, it's, it's that, and KC football isn't very good this year. KC football hasn't been very good for the last five years. And for people to get really into K-State football, in terms of having some crazy environment, there needs to be some baseline level of excitement. And K-State football hasn't met its end of the bargain to have... To expect that kind of fan support given the last five years. And so I don't think it's much more complicated than that. Just yeah, and I didn't take great exception or exception to the article. I thought that there were some obvious logical flaws with, with comparing fan bases of that size to, to K State where, you know, like you mentioned, tradition, all that stuff, fan base size is, is not quite the same. 
But I think that there are some factors outside of that that college football as a whole, and whether if it's cooperation from TV networks, which you know they pay millions and millions and millions of dollars to have the rights to these games, they're going to be able to set the time for them whenever they damn well choose. And uh, it's kind of an unfortunate thing because it makes it tough for people. And especially for families uh, that it's just not, oh, me and my wife can drive up or, you know, me and my buddy, we can drive up, uh, you know, on a, on a four-hour notice and be there and, you know, get to the stadium and, and get to our seats. It, it's a little bit tougher than that. So, yeah, I think that, uh, that kind of ends my rant on that. So, for, uh, for Dilu and uh, the icon here, uh, that'll do it here for uh, this episode of the Short Side Option. Thank you for listening, and go Cats!